Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Monday, the 28th day of August, 2023. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and anything else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You're certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. There's good stuff out there. Go find it. All right. It is Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. We had a great day at church yesterday. Uh, had uh, one of my classmates from high school, uh, Bethany Borman was her name in high school, Bethany Tanner now. She and her husband have been, for many years, missionaries in Tanzania. They run an orphanage. Um called uh, Mavuno Village, and uh, it's uh, it was neat to see them. We stayed way later than we normally do after church because it was just fun to, to chat with the, uh, them. Um, of course, Bethany and I went to high school together, and, um, and I had never met her husband before. Because obviously they've been living in Tanzania, and whenever they've been back in the states, it just never worked out that we were able to visit with them, and uh, so it was it was good to because yeah they've been married I believe thirty five years, and uh, I was not able to attend their wedding. Uh, my dad didn't do the wedding, but he did lead the music because there was him uh, singing at the wedding, so that was uh, and and they got married at the church we attend so it was uh uh, kind of yesterday was their anniversary so happy anniversary dan and bethany um so the they went to church in the church they were married on their anniversary even though they live across the ocean in tanzania excuse me and Dan would say we were talking about the weather where they live, and because they're just south of the equator. I mean, they're basically equatorial Africa. But where their village is, is at like 8,000 foot elevation, which mitigates the temperatures. He said it's normally, he said that it very rarely drops into the 60s, and it very rarely rises up into the 90s. So it sounds like a very, very, you know, comfortable temperature of 70s and 80s um, most of the year or all of the year with a few exceptions of hot days and cold days he says it is very dry there though so um be fun to visit at some point um yeah they're actually off the grid they don't have electrical power um they have solar and they have some generators to run some of their stuff but he says a lot of their equipment you know like their their welders and stuff like that because they have a they have a shop for for working on stuff and everything. He says a lot of that stuff is, is gasoline powered. So he said petrol powered. He is actually from. He's an American citizen, but he is from Tanzania. He was born there. He's a missionary kid. So you know he grew up there, and then took his wife there when they got married. They met in college, and then they have uh, raised their kids over there. Uh, in addition to running this orphanage and now a school they've got uh they've got a school there as well um so yeah it's and running a almost self-sufficient 
farm, so they 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 raise most of their own food. So it's a, it's a neat thing, um, Mavuno Village. I will throw a link in the show notes if this is a, a mission that you would uh, like to support. Um, put that out there so that you have that opportunity if you so desire. You can at least pop up to their website and check out the uh, check out the pictures and everything and, and see what they're doing over there. Um, it was great to, to have. This is one of the things that I have I missed when I was in the SBC. <clears throat> There's a lot to be said for the the way the SBC funds missionaries. Um, the missionaries in the SBC don't typically do big fundraising tours when they come back. Um, raising their funds is not necessary to their job because the the fundraising is done through the SBC and the cooperative program, the North American Mission Board, much more bureaucratic, much less personal. But uh, in the independent church movement, <laughs> you tend to know your missionaries. Um, and when they come back for, you know, they're not staying in the same spot <laughs> very long. They've been traveling around the country Um visiting the churches that support them and giving a report on what's going on, which is why they came to our church yesterday, um, in addition to it being Bethany's hometown and everything. And so you get to meet and talk to these missionaries every few years as they come back and they, you know, um, and they share what's going on. So it's, it is... The, there, there are just a few missions that Mrs. Squirrel and I support outside of our local church, and it's people I know. And that's, a, a, I think, a, a, a good way to do it. Um, that it's, it's people you know, it's people you trust, you're not giving money to some faceless entity and you know they're all the things that the southern baptists have done and the things they're accused of and all the you know there, there's a lot of eyebrow raising things that have happened with that big bureaucracy and there's a point where you know maybe smaller is better and we would rather support a few missions personally than support a large faceless missions organization generally. Um, and that's just always been our philosophy personally that, uh, you know, our, uh, as a Southern Baptist pastor, our church supported the international mission board and everything, but, but now no longer being in the Southern Baptist convention and, and being back in an independent church where, you know, we know our missionaries, <laughs> and it's just, it's a, it's a, I think, a, a good way to do things, but it was good to see Bethany, and good to finally meet her husband, <laughs> thinking about a, a classmate that, you know, I haven't seen, I, I have probably not seen her, we graduated, we were talking 39 years ago, we graduated from high school together, and it's probably been at least 35 years since we've seen each other. So it's not like we hang out together all the time. Um, we do, we are friends on Facebook and whatnot. And, and, you know, I've kept up with what's going on over there, but, and, uh, I know her sister, <laughs> sister lives here. Um, also a pastor's wife and, uh, matter of fact, uh, um, her sister's husband was my mom's pastor when she passed away. So, uh, when, when we, he did mom's funeral. Um, so I've, I've known, known Jeff and Miriam for many years and I do see them not as often as I would like, but fairly regularly. And, you know, so that's a, that's a good thing, but, uh, I don't see, you know, I haven't seen Bethany in years. So it was good to see her yesterday, uh, try to catch up. 
Um, so that's that. That was our weekend. And Pastor Scott is doing just a bang up job going through First Corinthians. I, I, the sermon yesterday was top notch, and I uh, uh, very much appreciate his preaching. And uh, it was good to be back after being gone the week before because I was preaching in Ovando. And if you're interested, I'm going to be preaching in Ovando again on the 17th of September. I think that's the date. It's the it's the Sunday before I leave for G3. So um, looking forward to that. And to answer any questions, no, I am not candidating there to be pastor. Um, it is a church that doesn't have a pastor. They have elders and each of the elders is responsible to either preach or get somebody to preach on their Sunday. And I am good friends with one of the elders and he has asked me now, this will be the third time I've preached there, um, which I am more than happy to do. Um, I said, I, I, when I, my policy is I don't want to be gone more than two Sundays a month. I want to be in my home church. I want to be with the people that I am covenanted with in a local church. And so I'm not doing as much preaching as I could um, because I, I have a very high view of the local church and I need to be a part of a local church. And so I do preach and enjoy it. Um, and I mean, there's not a, you know, that's not a hard and fast rule. Let's say a pastor's taking a month's sabbatical and wants me to cover him for a month. I'll do it, of course. But in general, I don't want to be gone more than a couple weeks a month because I need to be at my local church. And you do too if you're not in a local church. Get a high view of the church. Get a biblical view of the church. The, the A high view of God, a high view of Scripture, and a high view of the local church. Those three factors are probably the biggest factors for your sanctification and the strength of your faith in Christ is to be, have a high view of God, have a high view of scripture and have a high view of the local church where you see the importance in these things and the reliance on these things. Um, and honestly, a high view of God leads to a high view of Scripture, and a high view of Scripture leads to a high view of the church. I mean, they're very much related, but uh, that is something that you need to think about. Excuse me. All right. What do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, and it's Monday. So we have Monday meanderings, which, of course, we've already started. <laughs> as we talk about the church on Sunday. All right. Let's begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. Today's devotional is entitled, Jesus on God's Love, That We Exceed Others' Actions. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? 
If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Matthew 5, 46 and 47. Dr. MacArthur writes, These words of Jesus were perhaps the most devastating and offensive ones the religious leaders had ever heard. The Lord bluntly stripped away their hypocrisy to reveal that their love was nothing more than the ordinary self-centered love common among the despised tax collectors and Gentiles. Tax collectors were dishonest, traitorous, traitorous extortioners. Gentiles were considered unfit to be people of God. Yet the type of love displayed by the scribes and Pharisees, according to Jesus' infallible assessment, was no better than the persons whom they look, so looked down upon. In essence, our Lord declared that their righteousness was no better than that of the worst and lowest of other classes and groups. Christ urges believers to have a much higher standard of righteousness than the world's low standard. The world should notice Christians as being more honest employees and more helpful and caring neighbors. The culture should always notice that saints love as God loves. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5.16 J. Oswald Sanders once wrote, The Master expects from his disciples such conduct as can be explained only in terms of the supernatural. Ask yourself. Yes, we can become so comfortable in our culture and so indoctrinated in its ways that we are nearly indistinguishable in our likes, our schedules, and our matters of importance. Ask yourself, what makes you appear different from the unsaved world around you? Is it just by what you don't do or by Jesus' active brand of love and righteousness? Good word this morning. All right. Let's now get into our Monday meanderings. Um, boy, a lot of news in the last week. Um, and, and as I said last week or the week before, I've really... These last few weeks, I've been not staying as up on the news as I typically do because it's just depressing. And I've, I've uh, taken some time off basically from daily news consumption, even, even as important things are happening in the world. Um, just taking a break. I have been you know, reading more fiction and just kind of letting my mind rest from the day-to-day, -day, you know, so time that I would have spent perusing news articles, I'm spending in a good novel where I can just relax. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where my head's at right now because the news that is about... <laughs> is depressing um and and just some, but there's still stuff that i mean obviously i'm not totally ignorant i'm still paying attention i'm listening to to morning news podcasts and stuff uh in the morning as i prepare for the show but i'm not doing the in-depth looking at everything like i typically do um and so if today's Monday meandering seems a little bit anemic, <laughs> that's why. Um, I'm not trying to dip into it. And some of this is, is old. Some of this is stuff we've known for a couple of weeks. But I, I want to talk about it just to, to get it out there. Um, and give you, give you a little bit of my perspective and my thoughts on things. And... Of course, the big news of the last week was the Trump mugshot. Trump, uh, these Fulton County charges, which really are laughable. I have listened to a couple of legal analysis of the charges in all the cases against former President Trump. Um, 
and they really do and and I'm not you know I'm trying not to be you know biased in my in my evaluation um but looking at the charges and I'm nor am I a lawyer so don't um but looking at the charges that have been brought against him they're fairly ridiculous um just to run through the four indictments, we have an indictment in either the city of New York or the state of New York um, that he has been um, something about. Actually, didn't he? I think that this one's already been settled, but there was a charge about he asked for a loan and overvalued his property, according to the prosecutor, to secure a loan of a higher amount of money. Now, the loan has already been re repaid, so it, his ability to pay the loan is not in question because um, he borrowed the money and he paid it back. This was a business deal. And the, the argument was that he said in his request for the loan that this or that real estate property was worth this much and the prosecutors say no it wasn't worth that much he lied he's repaid the loan folks why is it they're trying to claim it was fraud well in fraud you have to have a loss you know if I defraud you I'm using lies to steal your money you lose right you know, that's, you know, if I defraud somebody, I'm taking their money by deceit. It's theft. They're not getting it back. This loan was paid back. There's no fraud involved because <laughs> there was no loss on the term of the lender. They got their money back um, according to the terms of the loan. The interest was paid, you know, so it, that's just a silly charge. Um, and, and, you know, and so the, yeah, I don't know what even that, that prosecution is just, remember, so much of this stuff is politically motivated. It's going after him because he's running for president. And if you don't see that, and like I said, I've got some, some great oceanfront property in Kansas to sell you. There's a nice bridge in Brooklyn you might be interested in. Um, so, you know, there's that one. Then there's the one, the, the Stormy Daniels case, where, and I'm, I'm not sure that $50,000 or whatever, it, it could have been $5 million or $50 million. I don't care. It doesn't matter. He paid a woman he had an affair with to basically keep quiet um and you know the 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 thing is they're saying it's a misuse of campaign funds and it's just one of those things where it's like you know you look back at the and, and a lot of people that you know i mean the 1990s was 30 years ago 40 years ago 40 years ago, 1993 was, or 1983 was 40 years ago. 93 is 30 years ago. So back in the 92 election and leading up to the 92 election, the Clinton campaign actually had a task force <laughs> within the campaign organization that was tasked with taking care of what they called, and this was the campaign's term. This was the internal term used within the Clinton campaign. They called them bimbo eruptions. A bimbo eruption was whenever some woman came forward with a story about Bill Clinton's sexual excavates, they would find her and pay her off. If they couldn't pay her off, they would destroy her and the media. And We've seen that that was, you know, that was commonplace during the Clinton campaign and during the Clinton presidency even. 
And and we know, I mean, you know, even during the Clinton presidency, he couldn't keep his pants zipped. Um, and there's no reason to think it's stopped since then, except maybe for his health and age reasons. So, you know, you have this, you know, it, the the accusations against Donald Trump in that matter are nowhere near the level of accusations against the Clinton campaign and the Clinton campaign. This was a actual campaign. You know, if, if, if the payoff to Stormy Daniels, you know, half a million dollars, I don't know what the amount was. Like I said, I haven't, you know, it's not in my notes, <laughs> but if that payoff was, you know, campaign, uh, misappropriation of campaign funds, what is paying the salaries of a whole squad designed to deal with that? And as we go down the line of these Trump indictments, and folks do not understand my poo-pooing of these charges as somehow endorsing a promiscuous lifestyle. I think you know me enough to know that's not the case. I am not excusing President Trump's infidelity. Indeed, I'm calling upon him to repent. Um, but as far as legal charges against him in this day and age, it's silly. Now, in the 1980s, you know, it, and, and even during the early years of the Clinton administration, especially during the campaign, if some of this stuff had come forward, it might have destroyed his chances. Um, but in this day and age, you know, among the general public, it doesn't. Um, I think it is serious to think about as far as, um, you know, evangelical support. Are there more better and more moral candidates out there? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's just, you know, fact one. And I've, I've been, very open and honest that, you know, my first choice for this, uh, this 2024 election cycle would be Ron DeSantis. But back in 2016, my first choice was uh, Scott Walker. <laughs> so I'm used to not getting my first choice. Um, and right now, the the Democrats seem to be doing everything they possibly can to... Uh, uh, destroy Donald Trump. And every time they take one of these shots at him, his poll numbers go up. So anyway, all of that, last week he was arraigned in Fulton County, Georgia, on these bizarre RICO charges. Um, and you can... Uh, who was I listening to the other day? that uh, had a lawyer on talking about, it was either, I think it was Daily Signal podcast. They had a lawyer, and I don't remember his name, uh, who evaluated the um, Fulton County charges and really good, but they're using these RICO statutes in new and novel ways and it's it's just the bizarre uh it, i mean it's all politically designed but anyway trump is charged in georgia with this strange weird nobody's ever come up with a theory like this before rico statute um and which is a these rico laws were these laws that were developed to go after the mafia and so what they're basically accusing Trump of is being a part of a uh, vast conspiracy to steal the election, which is strange. Um, could be some projection there. <laughs> won't, won't say anything more about that. But uh, this last week, Trump had to actually go to Fulton County Jail and be booked now, he has been indicted in these other cases, and he has had to appear before court. But the Fulton County uh, charges 
is the first time he's ever been uh, fingerprinted and mugshotted. Um, I remember the purpose of mugshots is identification of the prisoner. And I think everybody knows what Donald Trump looks like. And, you know, having been, I'm, I'm sure the president of the United States is fingerprinted just like, you know, any other government official, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a normal process. I mean, I had to be fingerprinted to drive school bus. Okay. Uh, so you're, you're, you're dealing with people with, with, uh, you know, the, if you work for the government, you've probably been fingerprinted. They're on file. So Donald Trump's fingerprints are on file and there are, I mean, plenty of pictures of him, but the Fulton County DA insisted on this. So we have now a Donald Trump mugshot from Fulton County. And you've probably seen it. It's, it's this defiant, angry stare. Um, and, and it's just been, you know, all over the news and everything. Well, I think one of the things is they wanted this mugshot because they were hoping to embarrass Trump. They're shooting themselves in the foot. Trump is putting a mugshot on t-shirts and coffee cups and posted his first tweet since he was reinstored to Twitter was the mugshot. So, you know, just think about that. Um, you know, he was, he was banned in 2020 from Twitter. Then Musk bought Twitter and lifted the ban, but Trump now has his own social media network. So he has not been using Twitter, but he tweeted out the mugshot. So, and accordingly now after last week's debate, which I don't think I've talked about and probably won't, um, I haven't even watched it. <laughs> like I said, I'm avoiding news stuff. I've heard some analysis and stuff, and uh, it does. It is funny as I listen to different analysis. Oh, this guy did better. Oh, this guy did better. Oh, this guy did better. As they, you know, basically, I mean, we hear, you know, when you hear an argument, you, you naturally give more credence to the guy you agree with or the guy you support. So the um, the uh, you know if you listen to the debate, your guy did best. You know it, whether he did or not. Um, and it's hard to find impartial, uninformed people who are going to give you an honest opinion. I think. Um, and this is one of the things about the polls right now, folks. We are six months. From I don't know when the Iowa caucus is, but it's early next year. So we're six months away, roughly, from the first time actual votes are taken in this election as the nomination process advances. So, you know, the polls that are out there, they they don't really tell us anything. And so, you know, they're... Polls at this point, and this was something that we all should have learned from Rush Limbaugh. Polls this early, and actually polls throughout an election cycle, are not so much reporting what people think as trying to manipulate what people think. A lot of polling and the reporting on polling is just bandwagoning, to use the the term for it. They're trying to get you on the bandwagon. Oh, this guy's leading, this guy's leading, this guy's leading. Look at this, look at that. Polls are either used to bolster a candidate or to hurt a candidate. And so much of it is intentional and deliberate. And once the general election starts, the polling is all going to be slanted toward the liberal candidate. Because these polling organizations I do not believe are honest. And we've seen that, you know, so many recent recent election cycles 
where they didn't get it wrong or where they didn't get it right or they've got it wrong for months and months and months and then the last few weeks before the election they start reporting real numbers and the reason is they don't want to look like complete fools when the election goes opposite the way they've been saying it was going to go for months and and so you know don't trust the polls 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 are not news right now you know as we speak late august 2023 you have a lot of people who aren't even paying attention um you know i've been saying i haven't been paying attention to the news me not paying attention to the news is probably paying more attention to the news than most people most people are not the news junkies i am and so you have people that just don't pay attention to the news and they won't be paying attention really to the presidential election um they'll they'll you know maybe once we get the nominations maybe once the conventions roll around they'll start to pay some attention to it but i mean when you have people who say they're undecided you know days and weeks before the election itself you know, you know they're not paying attention they're it's not on their radar it's not you know now it should be <laughs> it definitely should be but it isn't so the trump mugshot trump apparently uh De DeSantis raised over a million dollars. He was the big fundraiser winner after the Republican primary debate. Um, of course, Trump was not there. DeSantis raised over a million dollars, which was considered very, very good. Trump's mugshot comes out. Trump, Trump raised over $7 million just since that mugshot came out. Now, the reason is, and I'll be quite honest, I believe Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. The reason that Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee is twofold. First, the 2020 election. Many of us think it was a shambles. And many of us think that in an honest election Donald Trump would have won re-election so Donald Trump is in a strange position of almost running as an incumbent for his second term there's a there's a lot of support from 2020 and a lot of people who feel like they were robbed of the guy they voted for in 2020 and so there is a, a, a vast pool of support already there. Then you have all of these politically motivated prosecutions of Donald Trump that we see going on, and that's generating more support. Where people, gosh, if the Democrats are going after him this hard, they must really fear him and so you know the the cry of drain the swamp and all of that that's going on so those are the two factors that are pushing this forward and the 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 hope that the democrats have had that all of these prosecutions and stuff would hamstring trump and hurt him in the polls are having the exact opposite effect um now, what effect they'll have in the general election, and that's that's honestly where I think they're aiming this, is in the general election. They're hoping the uninformed voter will, oh no, there's no way I'm going to vote for a criminal. But they have a problem. And that is all this stuff about Biden that's been coming out. The 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 Biden corruption story. Most recently, the fired Ukrainian prosecutor is speaking out. And he has flat out said that he believes Joe Biden was bribed by Burisma 
to pressure the Ukrainian government to fire him to end the investigation into Burisma. Now, you remember, Burisma is the Ukrainian oil country or energy company, whatever, that Hunter Biden was on the board of. And it was being investigated by the Ukrainian government because of irregularities, shall we say. They were, they were under investigation for criminal action. And Joe Biden is on tape, and I've seen it, you've seen it, you've heard it, where he says that, you know, he flat out says, this was when he was vice president, that he put pressure on the Ukrainian government by threatening to withhold American foreign aid that had been promised to Ukraine, Biden said, you won't get that money if you don't fire this guy. And Biden laughingly says, guess what? The guy was fired. This isn't a public statement. Folks, not only is this in a public statement, it was a public statement that was made before the 2020 election. <laughs> this is, he was bragging about getting this guy fired and he bragged about getting this guy fired on camera in front of an audience. It's out there. Well, now the prosecutor that got fired is saying, oh yeah, he was bribed. So folks, we have, you know, the, the when you read the impeachment clause in the constitution, the reasons for impeachment are treason bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. The phrase that gets thrown around a lot is high crimes and misdemeanors, but the first two on there are treason, which is working for a foreign entity as an American official to advance the interests of a foreign entity over and above American interests. That's treason. It's betrayal. You know, selling out your country to a foreign power. It doesn't have to be in the midst of a military conflict, you know, treason, bribery, <laughs> the accepting of money from anyone, foreign or domestic, to do something in your official capacity in office. Folks, Joe Biden is guilty of both. I am firmly convinced that we have a treasonous president in office. Um, of, of all the presidents we've had, he's number 46, he is probably the most corrupt we have ever had. And so, you know, look for that. Um, so the, the fact that the Democrats are saying, oh, Trump's a criminal, look at all these criminal charges. Yeah, and Joe Biden's a traitor. Yep, I said it, and I believe it. So, you know, this is something to be aware of. So this, the, the everything that the, you know, so far in the Republican primary, everything the Democrats are doing to try to damage Trump is only increasing his support. It's yet to see how what effect it'll have on the general election, um, especially in light of the Biden corruption. Now, I'm still hearing rumors that Joe Biden is not going to be the Democrat nominee. His health and mental capacity have been seriously and legitimately questioned. Is he able to excuse me, continue as president. Um, and nobody wants Kamala Harris. So nobody wants Biden's vice president to take over. I believe that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be replaced on the ticket before the election next year. I do not believe that Joe Biden will be the nominee. We'll have to wait and see. You know, I could be wrong. I'm not a prophet. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I don't have divine revelation on this. 
This is just stating an opinion based upon uh, the facts and evidence. Um, I don't believe that Joe Biden will be the Democrat nominee for the 2024 presidential election, which helps and hurts the Democrat cause. It helps the Democrat cause because it takes all the Biden corruption stuff off the table. It hurts the Democrat cause because you're not running an incumbent president. Now, running an incumbent president with Joe Biden's record may not be the best thing in the world. He has one of the lowest disapproval, you know, lowest approval ratings that uh, we've seen. Um, I still think Jimmy Carter was less, uh, had a lower approval rating at this point in his presidency. I'm not sure. I still, looking at, um, while I look at the Obama administration as probably the worst for the country, I still look at Jimmy Carter as possibly the worst president as far as competency that we've had. But that's, you know, the, if you if you hold up um, Carter, Obama, and Biden next to each other, they're all three horrible presidents. But yeah, the the rumors I'm hearing right now is that they're gearing up to run Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom. So it's going to be an interesting election cycle, but. It's an important election cycle, and how things are going to uh, shape up are anybody's guess at this point. It's going to be an interesting year and a half coming up. All right. A little bit about the Maui fire, and we'll wrap up today's Monday meanderings. Um, there are still over a thousand people missing. I think the official death toll is right around 120. That's the bodies that have been found. Um, it was a very hot fire that likely destroyed human remains. So there are many people who will never be found. Um, I also have seen reports that people went into the ocean to try to escape the fire and some got washed out to sea. They will likely never be found. So, you know, of the people that are still missing, it's been a couple of weeks now. Um, they're not finding the bodies. Kind of like, it reminds me of 9-11. You know, they didn't find a lot of bodies <laughs> because when the buildings came down, they, you know, ground them into dust. Um, just the, the action of all of that concrete and steel rubbing together as the building collapsed, destroyed the human remains, um, in addition to the fire. Yeah. So this is the same sort of thing. There are going to be a lot of people who will never be found, um, which is just tragic. This is a horrible, horrible disaster. Now, couple of things that we, we know are going on. Um, the county is suing Hawaiian Electric. Um, from the stuff that I've seen, the, the, the power lines were poorly maintained. They said that, that a lot of the power poles were termite-riddled and, and rotten through. And it didn't take a hurricane to knock them over. It just took a strong breeze. And it you know, the windy conditions, there was that hurricane offshore that, you know, the winds were high. Um, and, you know, these power poles were in such bad condition that high winds blew them over, sparks caused the fire. That is the speculation as to the cause of the fire. Nothing has been officially mandated, but the fact that the county there in Hawaii, the county where uh, where this city was on Maui um, is suing the Hawaiian Electric Company. Tells me they know something. <laughs> it 
and uh, so they're they're suing them for poor maintenance. Now there have been reports going back years. There have been discussion of the the um, condition of the power grid there and how it needed to be worked upon and fixed, but none of it had been done, and so now they're they're alleging negligence on the part of the power company. A couple other things that have come out. Um, we, we knew right away that the sirens had never sounded and there was the speculation that this was either, you know, power loss or, um, you know, communication loss with the system was why they weren't sounded. No, they were not sounded intentionally. The Maui Emergency Management Agency Administrator Herman Andea, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correct, made the decision not to sound the alarms because he feared, according to his statement, that if they had sounded the alarms, people would have thought it was a tsunami, they would have fled towards the mountains instead of away from them, they would, have, they would have run right into the fire, is what he was saying. Um, now, the, the siren system was supposed to be used for all different sorts of disasters. So mainly, if you heard the siren, you didn't find out, it was like, hey, pay attention, find out what's going on, and take appropriate action. Um, the 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 idea that people would would automatically run into the into the fire away from you know fearing a tsunami 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 would run into the fire um according to many of the people on Maui that I've read that was that's a ridiculous notion but he said he didn't sound the alarm because of that reason he has also resigned. He's he's left his office. Um, it was negligence. Probably should have sound, sounded the siren. Um, now, I wasn't there. I'm second-guessing the guy. Um, but yeah, probably sounding the siren would have been the right idea. Even worse was the delayed release of water. Now, I don't have this guy's name in my notes, but he was, he's like the water agency dude. And he, when, when they were, there was a request for water, apparently it's a, you know, it's a reservoir and it's metered water. And there were requests, hey, you know, open the valves. We need water to fight the fire. Um, from what I've read, there seems to have been a large ongoing fight over water usage in the area. And one of the things that, 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 that there's actually a group of people who are against the use of water to fight fire. I don't understand it. Um, but the guy who was in charge of the water had arguments about, you know, he has made statements about there was some sort of dispute between a land company and the city and the water rights people and that he refused to release the water because of, you know, some sort of water rights dispute, you know, folks, water rights is for irrigation and watering your cattle, etc. At least that's what it is here in Montana. Um, when you're dealing with a fire and the potential loss of life, not to mention property, you know, the water rights, that, that kind of trumps the, am I going to have enough water to irrigate my crop? Your crop's about to burn up, you know. Not only is the crop about to burn up, the customers who are going to buy your crop are about to burn up. You know, open the water gates. Fight the fire. Then, you know, you can sort out the fact that, hey, now we're short of water because we fought the fire. But guess what? You still got a town, you know. 
that's a, a, a much better time to have such an argument. Um, one of the articles, apparently this guy had some strange ideas about water being sacred, and there's a, a YouTube video of him talking about the some ancient Polynesian water goddess and and everything. So um, one of the, this is the, the, the quote um, from one of the articles I read, it said, what may have contributed to his decision not to release the water was his weird left-wing pagan views about not using water because it's sacred. And I've watched that video. It's, wow, nature worship stuff. Um, worshiping the creature rather than the creator. Um, it's Romans 1 stuff. But so there's a there's a lot of stuff coming out about what happened in Maui. Um, it says it looks like, you know, poorly maintained, you know, just from, from what I've read, what we've talked about this morning, we had poorly maintained power grid that is the likely cause of the fire. You have, we, we looked at a few weeks ago, the the sugar, the former sugar cane plantations, which are now overgrown with unmanaged grasses, which contribute to the spread of the fire. And then you have the, the failure to sound a warning and you have the failure to provide water to fight the fire. You know, that's a, the, you know, it's, it's almost a perfect storm of, Let's see what else we can do wrong to contribute to this fire. So continue to pray for the people of Maui. You know, there's there's bodies that will never be found. There are people who will never know what exactly happened to their loved ones. They just know that, you know, they'll never see Uncle Bob and Aunt Joyce ever again because they disappeared the day of the fire. So then, uh, you know, that's, that's something else to talk about. Everybody talks about, got to have closure. You got to have a body to remember what happened or to, you know, know what happened throughout history. There's a, there's a scene in dances with wolves where they're traveling through the desert and I don't know. Don't remember which characters were involved or any of that. I just remember the scene. They come upon a man who died in the desert. He's laying there. He's got an empty canteen. He was obviously out of food, water, everything, and he died in the desert. And they come upon his skeletal remains. And one of the characters looked down at him and said, "You know, he's probably got folks back home going. I wonder why he don't write." Throughout much of history, especially in natural disasters, people never knew what happened to the people. You know, think about all the families who had family in Pompeii. You know, uh, yesterday was the anniversary of the 18-teens, 1820s eruption of... Krakatoa, you know, which everybody says was the loudest sound ever on earth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, a huge volcanic eruption a couple hundred years ago. So that was yesterday, you know. There were a lot of people, you know, in, in the towns and villages around the slope of Krakatoa and on nearby islands that were affected by Krakatoa who just disappeared. Um, you know, for, you know, a long time. I mean, you think back before, you know, radio and telegraph and, and everything, you know, if a ship went down, the only way you knew it didn't go down was it never showed up at port. And, and a lot of times they wouldn't even know what happened to a ship. Was it pirates? Did it 
you know, was it a storm? Was it, you know, something went wrong with the ship? Did it hit a rock? You know, you may never know because the ship sailed from one port, never arrived in the other port, and you don't know what happened in between. And so it's quite often that, you know, bodies are never recovered. And throughout history, it was just kind of a thing. Um, now, most of the time, because most people never went anywhere, you know, you knew exactly what happened to great-grandma and great-grandpa great and grandma and grandpa and mom and dad because you were probably there when they died. Um, apart from, from war and natural disaster, you know, most people died at home in their bed or, you know, in an accident in the village or whatever. And so the vast majority of people knew what happened to their relatives. But there was still, you know, th this idea, if somebody left home, you would probably never see them again or hear from them again. And you wouldn't know what happened. And so this is a, you know, we, we, the, there's a, a modern sensibility that we have to know what happened. And if we don't know what happened, we can never have, quote-unquote, closure. And I honestly think this is a bunch of psychological babble. Everybody dies, and you don't, know, you don't have to know how everybody dies. You don't have to have... And I've never been one to visit graves on a regular basis. Um, I do drive by the cemetery where my mom and dad are buried on a regular basis. Drove past it yesterday after church on our way to lunch. And, and I actually have, there's a plot next to my parents for my wife and I. So that's, according to plan, where I'm going to be buried. Um... But I'm not one to stop and visit the graves very often. Every once in a while, yeah. But I don't, I don't, you know, go to there on the anniversary of the death or any of that. I mean, the anniversary of Dad's death is coming up here this week. September 1st was uh, the day he died. Um, I don't have plans to go visit the grave. It's not something I've ever really done. Now, I know people that, you know, the anniversary of a death or a birthday or, you know, Memorial Day, something like that, they go and visit the gravesite. Um, but that's never been a big deal for me personally. And I'm not saying that it's, you know, that it's something bad or wrong or anything like that. Um, it's not. I think, you know, knowing and remembering our loved ones is an important thing. I just do it without being physically at the gravesite. I mean, trust me, September 1st, I will be thinking about my daddy um, and missing him. Uh, it was 2005. So he's been gone now for quite a while. Um, 18 years. My daddy's been gone for 18 years. That's just stunning to think about. Um, November, right before Thanksgiving, it will be four years since mom passed. Folks, life goes on, and it's serious business. And none of us leave this world alive. Which is why I would urge you to repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and believe the gospel. Because whether we know where you're buried and how you died, or whether you just go missing in a natural disaster, and we don't know how you died, and you're not buried anywhere, you're going to die. And you will stand before your maker and you will give account for your actions in this life. And if you are standing there 
unclothed in the righteousness of Christ, your destination is eternity in hell without God. So repent and believe the gospel. I urge you to do it. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Collect for the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. Let your continual mercy, O Lord, cleanse and defend your church. And because it cannot continue in safety without your help, protect and govern it always by your goodness, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Collect for the Renewal of Life. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Collect for the Unrepentant Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home, and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Monday. Hope you have a great day ahead and a great week, getting the week started today. I wish you all the best. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.